Welcome to the latest episode of the Nudges for Social Good podcast from the Local Government Association. My name is Rian Gladman and I manage the Behavioural Change Programme here at the LGA. So the aim of our podcast is really to demystify behavioural insights. I'll do that one again. Um, the aim of the podcast is really to demystify behavioural insights and provide learning from practical projects from other councils across the country that you can then pick up and try in your own council. So today I'm joined by Claire Thompson from North East Lincolnshire Council. Hi Claire, how are you? Hello, I'm good, thank you. Great stuff, thanks for being with us today. Um, if we could just start, could you introduce yourself and, and your role at the council please? Yeah, I work for North East Lincolnshire Council, as you said, and my role is Community Insights and Marketing Manager for the Council. Um, I also work on a partnership that we have with the NSPCC called Together for Childhood, which is looking at um, changing things in two of our most deprived wards around neglect and abuse. So understanding those communities and supporting community development. Great stuff. So as I said in the introduction there, really what we're looking for the listeners to provide them with um, examples really of how councils are using behavioural insights and, and you worked with us in a previous round of our um, the LGA funded programme, didn't you? So really, if you could just start from the beginning and just talk us through the behavioural insights project that you ran and I'll pick up with any questions as we go through. Yes, yeah, so we saw that that, that was uh, the LGA programme and we'd been trialling um, some insights work as a team within the marketing team and really um, looking at how insights can make that difference to the decisions that you make as an organisation. And when the programme came out, um, our chief executive suggested that we have a look at whether or not we had something that we could work with the LGA and the Behavioural Insights organisation on. Um, and of our, our key areas within the organisation that we hadn't tackled with an insight-led approach and cancer screening rates was the one that that, that stood out for me. Um, I spoke to our public health team and college colleagues within CCG as well about whether or not we should take this forward and we decided to work on that together across uh, marketing and public health so we put that bid in and um, were successful which was great. Great stuff, great stuff. So what was the original sort of challenge that you were looking at? The late presentation is an issue in some of the wards in North East Lincolnshire. And so we decided to have a look at the where the screen, screening rates were different and um, to try and use a behavioural insights approach to try and make a difference to that. OK, so there was, there was specific, it was two two wards? Yeah, um, two the wards eastern area. So how did you go about gathering those those insights and how did you go about understanding more? So working with behavioural insights team, once we, we'd, we'd, we'd got that successful um, the bid to the LGA um, fund, we, we worked with the behavioural insights team to really try and understand why there was that difference in, in presentation for screening. And we got underneath some of that. Um, some, of, some of the things we knew already, um, the, there are some issues with people being afraid of screening, um, some fatalism around, you know, I, I don't really want to know I've got, got that. Um, People, a lot of a lot of um, areas of the borough where um, screening rates are low, are actually in areas where people don't go to their GPs anyway. They they aren't either registered with GP practices. So the original project is around how you can increase cancer screening rates in two specific wards in the borough. Um, can you say a bit more about how you undertook 
the research to understand more about what was driving that behaviour? So once we'd identified the, the two wards, um, those targeted communities, we did some work to, to look into the practices that served those wards to try and understand what those particular screening rates were for those practices. And then what Behavioural Insights team worked with us to do was to actually go out and do some more sort of on the ground research. So. Uh, working with some community groups and, and visiting different um, practices to start to get underneath some of that. Um, we also looked at some previous literature which Behavioural Insights had done before. Um, they'd done some academic reviews in the past uh, which had identified some of those barriers which as we've said you know around fatalism, a lack of knowledge about what what screening is, some embarrassment and and um, also people who just just did not use GP services had an issue with with um, authority and didn't want to be in those sort of buildings anyway so that that's around trust confidence um, and what what we found was that when we had the conversations with with residents and with GP practices a lot of that was borne out in what people were telling us yeah no that's so there's a lot there isn't there there's a lot of different um, behaviours coming out of there. So bringing that all together, what behaviour intervention did you come up with for your project? We um, we had a bit of a journey with this really. We, we started off looking at whether or not um, reminder letters or texts might work with some of this and, and decided that we would try um, a text reminder. Uh, once those invitation letters had, had gone out and people hadn't come along for those or booked booked their appointment, we thought a text might work. But when we, we started to look at that, we realised that quite a lot of the practices that we were working with um, didn't have the capability to do text or um, didn't have the phone numbers because a lot of these people, as I've said, aren't people who regularly go into practices and therefore their details weren't being updated on systems. So they they weren't able to do that. So we moved on quickly from a text approach to using letters. Um, and the idea originally was to do a control trial to send out those letters to people after they'd missed an appointment or after they'd not um, got in touch to book an appointment to ask them to to get to get in touch. Um, that's where we started and then we started to go through the, the, the process of how, how we move forward with, with a trial like that um, within the remit of working across Public Health England and um, the review boards and, and NHS ethics and th things like that. So we, we agreed that we would do the letter, but then the next steps were getting approval to do that. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So that's, that's interesting, isn't it? Jumping back, so you've got loads of different uh, behaviours there that you've picked up through your research and your insight, a lot going on. Um, and then there's sort of the idea what you'd like to do is to do a text messaging service would be the ideal thing to do, but actually quickly realising that the data that the GPs hold just isn't going to allow you to do that, not having the, the phone numbers and then quickly moving to a letter um, approach. How did you sort of keep all the, there's a, a big partnership approach in this project as well, isn't there, that you set out at the start there. How did you keep everyone on board really in that partnership with that things changing so quickly? Well, we, we set off um, early early on, we, we sort of met with some of the people who were already working in cancer screening um, within the CCG and within um, within the authority. And we, we brought together a sort of board of people 
who would be our our reference group really for the project as we moved forward. Um, the, the cancer screening lead within the CCG, um, the Deputy Director of Public Health. And we also, um, right at the beginning of this, she's not she's not working with the council and CCG anymore, but there was a lady who was already leading some work within practices around increasing uptake of screening as well. So she was involved in that too, and she could tell us uh, about some of the social marketing projects that had already taken place. So we just kept we just kept that group updated all the way through um, and we had regular calls with with yourselves at the LGA and with um, behavioural insights as we move forward with the project. Mm -hmm. Excellent. So a real, yeah, real strength in the partnership approach, but, yeah. but communicating regularly and, and working really hard to keep all the partners on board as well. Yeah. Um, great stuff. So, in, so the intervention decided upon was letters. Can you tell us a bit more around the content of the letters and how you, how they ended up looking? Yeah, um, the, the decision was made that the um, the behavioural insights approach that we took with those letters um, was to, to, to look at this from an anticipated regret point of view. So it was really about if, if you didn't get screened and then you found out you had um, you had cancer later, would you regret it? Um, it was found that that was the best one that would work with some of the behaviours that we'd we'd already uncovered with some of that. Um, the, 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 we thought we found that the best way to send the letter out would be directly from the GP. Um, one of the things that we found with cancer screening letters previously is that they go out from the screening hub and it's from a named person that they aren't aware of. So actually this was a personal letter from the GP practice that they knew and the GP that they were aware of. So that's that's how that um, that was created that letter and again we did that in partnership that was shared with with all of the partners and and tweaked as we move forward one of the things that we did do was the original letter that we created was um, to have an incentive within it we talked about using a lottery incentive um, and as we move forward through the approval process for that letter we found um, when we went to NHS ethics that that was something that they weren't happy with um, and also we had um, conversations with Public Health England as we move forward too and they, their recommendation was that we remove the lottery from that letter. So we mm -hmm. just went for a straightforward um, anticipated regret letter. Yeah, and I think we talked about the lottery approach as well, didn't we, from from ourselves at the LGA. I think it's that the replicability, if we were encouraging other councils to pick things up and use them, not every council could do a lottery or replicate that potentially. So there was another dimension there. So, OK, so you, you were going to talk more about how getting it through approval and, and, and that journey, that part of the journey. When we first went to NHS ethics, um, we got a round of those clarification questions and one of the things that came back was around the um, the, t the trial itself, the randomised control trial and the questions we received about the numbers we were looking at because when we actually started working with practices and understood the numbers of people who, who weren't um, taking forward their cancer screening, the numbers we needed for a randomised control trial were a lot higher than that. So and because we were working with only several practices within two wards of the borough, we couldn't go much higher than that um, mm -hmm. to, to keep it in those two areas. So what we did was we um, we looked at that from an NHS ethics point of view and we had those conversations with Public Health England at that point about how we could change this. 
and make sure that we could move forward with it. And so Public Health England recommended when we went to visit them that we made this a, a pre and post study. So looking at the numbers beforehand um, and understanding the people that were responding to that in the previous few months and then the, the numbers that responded to that um, the letter once we, we did that. Okay, Claire, really important point you raised um, in the previous section that I just want to jump back to is around the messenger effect. It's a, it's a key part of behaviour change, isn't it? Who is delivering that message to you to encourage that behaviour change? So you mentioned that the decision was taken to make, you know, be the message coming from the GP directly. Can you say a bit more about that? I just think other councils would be really interested to hear more about that. Yeah, so as you said, that's a, a key part of behavioural insights thinking when you start to look at um, who people are most likely to, to best receive a message from. Um, and one of the things that we've, we've found with, with lots of the behavioural insights work we've done within, within the council is that we often find that people will receive a message better from people that they know. Um, people that they respect, um, like they look up to. And so the, the, the absence of that in some of the cancer screening letters was one of the things that we really focused on. Point of doing that from their own, their own GP, somebody they knew at the practice. Um, and we hoped that that would make the difference. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So we've been through, you've started off, you've decided what your challenge is. You've done your insight, working with the behavioural insights team. You've got your, <clears throat> excuse me, the reasons that are driving that behaviour. You've then um, designed your intervention and you've got that through ethics approval. You spoke to Public Health England regionally and nationally. Uh, you've got your partnership all on board. So, so you've got your letters live. So, you know, when did it go live? How long for? Can you tell us a bit more about how the intervention actually played out in, in real life? The letters went out um, at the back end of 2019. Um, September was the time that we we agreed after after we'd been through um, ethics and Public Health England approval for this. We we finally went out with the letters in the September of 2019 and agreed to run that study for a three month period. And the way that we did it was we used people who had been um, not non-attenders or non-bookers of appointments with bowel screening for the previous 12 months. And so those letters went out and we began to measure at that point. Um, the trial finished at the end of 2019 and we got the results through um, January time in 2020. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And just in terms of the messaging, were the GPs involved in designing any of that messaging or was it purely you did it through your partnership with local health partners that way? We, we did it through to start with, we did it through local partners working with behavioural insights team. But one of the, the things that um, we found through all of this was that the GPs were really on board with some of this. A lot of GPs had wanted to try this. We worked with actually one practice who had already tried to do something similar. Um, and had a, a great result with that, but it had not been done in a in a study point of view. So it wasn't it wasn't part of things that were happening in, in wider primary care now, so networks or other practices. So yes, the practices were involved. Um, Behavioural insights right at the very beginning of this went to meet with all of the practices to ask them if they wanted to get involved with some of this, and they were uh, they were sent the the um, drafts of the letters and the um, the study. 
procedures and the processes and things like that at that point and then when we started the project off again after the pause we've had around, we'd had around ethics I went back out and had conversations with all of those practices again um, and we shared everything with them as we move forward so they were all very happy with what we did I think at the at, on the final I think yeah that co-design approach has been key so the success with that really and, and you've already got you've got a group of people and GPs who want to do something in this space and you've come along with with a solution and, and involve them in the, the design of it so um so on to the big question what were the results okay um so what, looking at it from a pre and post the the way we did it was um we looked at the the, the numbers of people who normally return um their bowel screening and have a a definite cancer diagnosis that was the way we we had to do it so we were looking at what what the difference we could make through this and obviously i mentioned we i think we we sent the letters out to 1300 people and in the study two patients had returned their kits um out of that those those numbers two patients had returned their kits in the pre-intervention period um compared with 54 patients um after the letter was sent so even in a study with sort of those relatively low numbers, look that about two to three percent of people who are um, who take part in bowel screening would have a diagnosis. Um, we know that even in those low numbers, between one and two people would have had um, some sort of cancer diagnosis. So, so it is statistically <laughs> significant, but actually, if it's upscaled um, to to a much wider number or that other practices or authorities use this is across the UK you could see a real difference between um, not doing this and doing this in the future mm -hmm. I mean it's it's just it's huge isn't it once two people actually do take up their their screening appointment on the back of this it's all been well worth it like you say um, and if you extrapolate that up across other the rest of your borough and and other councils as well uh, and the key thing is you know because you've measured it it's not done any harm it's not made the rate go down it's no. it's only improved it so you know rather than in a more traditional sense of we want to do something in this space let's just have a go at this letter and sort of see what happens by taking this more scientific measured approach that behavioral insights can can do for you you know it's worked so therefore you know that you if you roll something out you're doing it with confidence that it's it's measured and it works yeah, and I think that the the benefit of working with yourselves on this is and, and having lots of conversations throughout this journey was that we we I think there was a nervousness for us that we wouldn't see a huge increase it, by using this. But we know that actually anything over five percent is something that is statistically significant. So having that five, I think it's five point four or four point four percent increase means that we we are in that position where we know rolling this out we will save a lot more than the one or two lives or that we we could have done by using this and and the most important thing um for us was that actually when this it wasn't it's not about preventing cancers it's about catching them earlier and we yeah. know that what bowel cancer screening does or other cancer screening does is catch catch that early enough to mean that lives are saved um, and so that we know that in in that sample size we've got one or two people within that so um, our 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 take from this was that we wanted to make sure that 
other GP practices could see what we'd done and that's across the whole of our borough but then obviously to share that wider with with people out there so yeah and, and as we've talked about before Claire I mean with this program we're not looking for 20 to 30 percent increases and it, that's not what we're looking for with these small nudges they are it is that one to two to three percent in the direction that you want to nudge that behavior in that we're actually after um due to the sort of scale of these trials rather than if they're you know million plus people in huge national trials that's not what we're running we're running very local very specific practical relevant trials for local government which is a yeah. different unit of government isn't it so so i think that that's that's a great result um and so what's the impact of that that result been to other other wards taking this sort of approach um, and 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 also other councils getting in touch with you about it? Yeah, I've had several councils get in touch around this. We also within, um, we had Cancer Research UK waiting for our case study to come out um, because they were interested in, in the way this worked as well. I think a lot of people have been watching for that to go onto the LGA website. So they've had the study and shared that internally. Um, yeah, other councils have been interested. I think from a from a perspective of, of North East Lincolnshire, um, obviously the time that the results came out was we were were sort of just a month or two before COVID, and obviously screening yeah. screening yeah. stopped at that point. But we did manage to get some training um, that was already going to take place with Cancer Research UK and the CCG um, Cancer Champion training um, to nine of our practices and and those nine practices are actually practices representative of all of our primary care, care networks in North East Lincolnshire. So that letter has been shared with all of our primary care networks now. And obviously that's part of their training package. So we are hoping that our screening um, has has now started again. And obviously what, what a lot of um, our screening programmes need to do now is sort of get through the backlog um, yeah. uh, that's, that's been caused by COVID, that actually that will be taken forward um, and they're working on on that sort of early diagnosis work using um, that letter as one of the examples of what they can do. So that's, and and our director, Deputy Director of Public Health has, has shared that with um, local public health leads as well around cancer screening. So that's, that, that's, that's been great well. for us. And that's the letter that she Yeah that continues yeah. to be used so again you can continue to gather that data yeah to continue to, to assess its impact so that's 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 fantastic fantastic stuff um so so you've been on this journey you said you've been on a journey with this project and it it's it's been quite a long-term project we've been working on together hasn't it um and i i just really wanted to get from you if you were starting this again if you were listening to this podcast thinking we really need to do something to increase uh, the uptake of cancer screening. I really like this project. I want to take it on board. What are the three tips you would give to a council officer or an elected member listening to this podcast that would help them to to implement this this project locally? I think from the point of view of this particular project, because it's in the health domain and it was something that we'd not tried before in health, um, uh, particularly the, across primary care. Um, what I would say very early doors is to have those personal conversations with GP practices and primary care networks to start with mm. about what you're trying to achieve because we're in a position now with primary care 
where those networks are going to be trying to do things together anyway. And I suppose that there's that, if there's that knowledge and expertise that sits within councils and CCGs around behavioral insights or insights projects to go and say, you know, we're looking to do something and will you work with us on that and, and to build those relationships. The other side of things for me, um, because this sits in the public health domain and that's where cancer screening sits to go and have conversations with public health as well because one of the things I think we learned didn't we when we went to have those conversations with public health we knew we found out straight away that other things were happening in other areas there'd already been some learnings with some of this so and actually there's a way there of being directed in the right in the right direction yeah. um the, 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 some of the pitfalls we found with NHS ethics probably wouldn't have been necessary because we knew that actually if we did it, the study in the way that we ended up doing, we would have been able to move through this quicker. So I think there, I think that's probably only two things I've given, isn't it? So I, I think the third one for me is to actually understand, you know, what we've already talked about. This isn't about changing everything and having 50, 60% increases. This is about showing that actually this is one of the tools in a toolkit of yeah. increasing something and it's about even the small percentages make a big difference when it comes to sort of particularly in this in this respect saving lives and, and making sure that people get the help that they need earlier so I think maybe don't be too hard on yourselves because this is um it's a it's a, a piece of work, it's a set of projects where we're actually learning things. And I think one of the things that I found through this is asked, I, I was forgetting some of that along the way. I was hoping that everything worked in, in the best way possible the first time, but actually all of this is about learning about the best ways to do things in local government and, and move some of this stuff forward. And behavioural insights is new. It's, it's new mm. to a lot of local authorities. Um, and one of the things I think we found is that there was a lot of explaining to do to people about what this was yeah. and what difference it could make. People who'd never been um, part of any of this work before, you know, uh, uh, some of us have, have been on that training and done that learning and, and are desperate to take some of this forward. But you have to take people with you on some of this. So that takes time. I think that final point there to finish on there, like it's so important is to that communication of what it is. And I think that's what we're trying to do. Well, no, that's what we're trying to do with this podcast is that demystifying um, that this stuff is very new and and the fact that you you iterate as you go through, don't you? You, you were thinking all oh, text messages, but oh no, that's not going to work. So we iterate and we go into the letters, and and you're you're changing it all the way through um, rather than just stumbling on the. The first right answer. I think that's that's where the 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 learning is richest, isn't it? When you're you're coming up against these challenges, but then you've got to the point where you've you've intervened and you've got a great result. So again, it, just really keen to get those lessons and those top tips from you to encourage other councils to pick up those letters and and have a go. So so we talked that you you mentioned there about obviously getting the final results just as we were going into COVID. Um, just be keen to get your reflections on on the behaviours that you have seen changing because of COVID-19 in, in the local communities in, in North East Lincolnshire. And, and just to say a bit more about that, please. I suppose, I suppose from, I'd start 
by looking at it from this sort of project perspective, one of the things that we are hearing, um, and this is anecdotal, but we are st starting to gather data on that, is that people aren't um, going to GP practices or calling GP practices at the moment. So what COVID has done is he's obviously reduced numbers at face-to-face. At, at, um, at -face. um, people are tending to leave things later, leaving things later. Um, and um, th is that fear, that fear of going of going out and um, the the other the other side of things is is around mental health. So um, and I know we're not on our own with this. Um, we've been doing a project recently around social isolation, and one of the things that's coming out loud and clear with with um, with the COVID um, information that we're receiving back is that that is a social isolation has increased during COVID, and what's happening is people are now um, struggling with mental health in a way that they've not before. And so we're learning about new ways that we can support people with um, with mental health issues and and whether or not they are, you know, the 24 hour helplines are helping with some of that or whether or not we actually need to use a more behavioural insights approach to some of that and offer a new way of people getting in touch. If anxiety is a problem, you know, should we be offering things around um, text messaging or, or social media messaging for people to get to get the support that they need? Um, I think I think that. I think we're all seeing some of that um, and it's we just need to to tweak the way we deliver based on based on what's happening out there and, and the difficulties people are finding to actually do things face to face now. Have you said there obviously some of the real challenging behaviours that, that you, you might say you're not not alone uh, in facing as a result of the pandemic. Are you seeing any more um, positive behaviours that you'd like to encourage within the local community? I think I think the key one for us and, and I um, I was involved in in the COVID response right at the very beginning of some of this and the that the, the massive um, community um, involvement in in volunteering in in wanting to support each other was was it was huge um, the the numbers that we were seeing of, of local communities setting up their own Facebook pages and and wanting to find somewhere to register to volunteer and help each other is something that we all we know we need to build on and we need to understand the, the, the thing that made the real difference with 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 COVID on that because we we've looked at increasing volunteer numbers or, or supporting community groups in different ways over that period so we've We've been having conversations around how we we maybe change up what we do. So the issue focus, um, going back to what I was saying about the, the work that we've been doing on social isolation, perhaps what we need to do is sort of share what that issue is and who's mm. facing that. But the call to action actually being around volunteering, you know, you can help with this. And what that would do was not only help the people who were socially isolated that couldn't get out, but actually the people who were socially isolated who at the moment have got a not a lot to do because they're not they're not involved in other things you know that purpose is is really important for some of that so for me it's building on those lessons about what covid has actually done from a positive point of view the the on the online stuff is huge um definitely within within the council that that we all managed to to get online within weeks and that's you know our it teams have have been absolutely brilliant and Yes, we're at home, but in a way, a lot of us are even more connected than we were before because we're we're often sort of spending all day chatting to each other in a way that we probably weren't before. So, I mean, that's that's a real positive for me. And, you know, it's cutting down on our travel time and our carbon and and all of those sort of things. So 
Yeah, so great. I think I would agree that the, the community volunteering one has been huge, hasn't it? A huge response. And we, on a previous episode of the podcast, actually, we, we've had um, North Yorkshire Council uh, on talking about uh, a behavioural insights project they did um, in with their comms team in order to encourage the local community to to you know step up and volunteer and actually to to maintain that volunteering and it's actually becomes part of your life as you say part of your purpose and then it's something you carry on long into the future um will just be a, a great behavior and, and trend to see coming out of this wouldn't it yeah yeah and the the other thing i'd like to to add is and a lot of us within within the council have and, and the ccg have noticed this over this this period is the mm. way that we've worked together yeah. in a completely different way um yeah. teams has made you know microsoft teams has made that even more possible but the, the the pulling together of the groups that were looking at COVID, which happened very, very quickly, included voluntary and community sector organisations straight away. We're all working on a level to get a job done in a way that we've we've been hoping to do for such a long time and it just worked. And loads and loads of us who've been involved in that were I think you know across leadership and and everywhere else I don't want to lose that. We don't want to lose that the possibility of everyone coming together um, in a room or on teams to solve a problem across across all sectors and 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 that's something that we we've definitely taken forward into the project that I've I've been working on most recently. Excellent so where next Claire for behavioural insights in the council and in your role where where next are you looking to take what you've learned through this project? Okay so I have um, recently been moved on onto a project where we're actually looking to learn from um, how we can use insights differently um, by bringing data and community insights together. So, so bringing together the qualitative and the quantitative to actually improve the way we learn about particular issues or, or particular service areas. Um, and, and that works ongoing. We've been working with an organization called FutureGov. They've been with us until a couple of weeks ago. And what we're hoping to do with that is is look at how we how we change things as a council for the future. So it's it's all about the way we commission um, and the way we make decisions uh, across not just ac across our organisation but with the, the the sector as well and making sure that the community voice is heard in everything that we do. And what we hope to to see from that is that when we we look at an issue we actually really get underneath that issue. We get underneath the numbers and we also get underneath what the community are telling us about those things so that when we decide on what the solutions might be, it's really based on, on that community voice. And, and, and so the solution may be um, a behavioural insights solution, it might be a, a campaign solution, but it, it might actually be a service solution and it might be something that we've not even thought about doing. It might be something that's based within, within the community rather than in a service um, delivery. So that's 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 where my role sits at the moment. We're just sort of working through um, what the next steps with some of this this uh, is. So I hope it will go from strength to strength. And you've got let's, a really good example so. to to build advocacy around that this is what we've achieved. Um, such an important piece of work and like you say saving lives saving yeah. lives in the local community so thank you so much for sharing today with us and thank you for your time Claire and being on the podcast we really do appreciate it thank you um, so I cannot recommend enough that you go onto our website and have a look at the the letters and the report 
of the project that Claire has set out there. Um, so if you go to our website, which is www.local.gov.uk and search for behavioural insights, you will see the North East Lincolnshire Cancer Screening Trial there. Please do feel free to use the letters and say they've been tried and tested and have worked. Uh, and if you're if you're actually faced with this uh, challenge locally, please do use um, use that nudge from North East Lincolnshire. So we have a, a host of other nudges for social good uh, that you can learn from and use on that web page as well. Uh, please do share the podcast as well with your friends and colleagues. And many thanks for listening. <laughs>